Welcome to the conversation. I'm Mark Thompson here for Jank. Always fun to do the show. We meet so many different people from politics and from the creative arts, and it's sort of from the creative arts category that today's guest joins us, Dana Gould. Dana Gould, of course, is a, a comedian and he's a, a creator. I mean, he cre creates comedies, longtime writer for The Simpsons and an and on-camera funny man as well, stand-up comic. Really, that's where I first got to know your work is as a stand-up. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a writer and that's probably it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, a, I'm an actor I, and a writer. I, I overran I'm, your- uh, I'm, I'm not a, well, yeah. I, um, your intro? I'm a- <laughs> I'm a comedian who writes and I'm a comedian who acts, but I'm a comedian. You know, I, I write, I was a writer on The Simpsons for a long time. I had a show called Stand Against Evil that just wrapped up a three year run on IFC. Sure. But I'm a the comedian. The Stiller Show, weren't you? I was a writer on the Ben Stiller Show, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and over the years, I've had my hand in more failed pilots than an Air Force proctologist. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm, but at, at heart, I'm a comedian. That's you know. And and so, uh, well, I want to talk about now, and then we'll go back and maybe pick up sort of before now. So now you are doing uh, some stuff. You're, in fact, you're going out on the road tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I go uh, on I'm a comedy a, tour. Yeah, I'm doing a uh, I'm doing a tour with Bobcat Goldthwait, who's uh, an old friend of mine. I've known for a long time, and last year, uh, I you know we, we we've been friends. We like the same kind of music. We like the same kind of movies. Um, we've been we we both started out in Boston, moved to San Francisco, then to L.A. We've you know we've been we're tight. Uh, and then uh, last year we both had horror comedies on cable. He had a show on True called Misfits and Monsters, and I had a show on IFC called Stand Against Evil that starred John McGinley. And we realized that we were the Alfred Hitchcock and William Castle of cable horror comedy. <laughs> and and he just said as a joke we should go and do some dates, which is. You know what comedians do, and I called my agent and said, "Yeah, Bobcat and I wanted to do a date, and we thought we'd get maybe two. Like New York would like to do one, L.A. would like to do one, and we got a lot of offers. So we've done three three legs of a tour. Tomorrow we go June third, Portland, and then we're in Sacramento on the fourth, San Francisco on the fifth, and Denver on June sixth. So that speaks to just the." The reach of the work you do. I'm talking about podcasts and the other yeah, ways you reach people. You know, yeah, I have a podcast that uh, is pretty popular, and yeah, it, it, there's no one uh, one thing that has that is I can attribute to my notoriety. Um, it, it, it is interesting, you know. I talked about the music that we both liked. You know, we're, we're both old like punk rock fans, and punk had a very DIY ethic. You know, do it yourself, and uh, despite, you know, I was on The Simpsons, Bob was a movie star, but the stuff that we've done that people really, uh, that sticks with people the most goes back to that sort of DIY mentality. I'm a big proponent of that. My podcast, I do alone in my house. I edit it and I put it on the internet. And, uh, and people really respond to it. And, uh, and I have a soft spot in my heart for that, for, uh, for people that uh, ignore the gatekeepers and chart their own path. I think it's great. Uh, I want to. I, I, I promise to go, but I will get off the the show and the uh, that you're doing Bobcat in a second. But I just I'm curious. You guys both do 40 minutes, or how does the show is it constructed? Do you change it every night? Or well, we it used to. Uh, we would go on stage together for about 10 minutes, and then we'd flip a coin, and whoever won the toss would go on first, and then the other guy would go on second, and then we'd be on stage together there for five minutes. And people would say, "We loved it so much when you guys were on together that uh, one night we just said let's." Let's just do the whole show together. And we went out and 
started talking and then you know I know when he has a bit coming up that segues in and then he knows that I have something that goes off that and it just sort of evolves naturally. It's different every night because it, it, it's a conversation but we know the we know the songs that we're playing, you sure. know the bits, and uh, and uh, it's really uh, it's really uh, super fun. It's never the same every night. We never know how it's going to unfold, but we definitely know like okay, well we're going to do one of these seven things that works really well, and uh, it it's, keeps it fresh for us, and I think the audience gets a sense of that too. So it's a it's a two man show sort of. Yeah, I mean it sounds really cool. It's As really you say, fun. it sounds sort of fresh and and original in its yeah. own way every night. Uh, it's a TYT audience, so we have to ask: Do you do some political stuff, or a lot of political stuff, or do you stay away from uh, that? No, 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 no. We 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 do it right out of the gate, but we don't uh, dwell on any one topic. It's a lot of uh, self-deprecation and a lot of just stories about our myriad careers, and um, and we take on political, socio-cultural stuff. But I try to stay away from what George Carlin called layups. You know, but that's too easy. That's a layup. I'm not going to talk about Trump being dumb. We all know he's dumb. Let's move on. You know, a lot of people say, "Do you have a lot of jokes about Trump?" No, I don't find it funny. Mm. Um, but there are things that you absolutely talk about. I, like I have a, a, a I'll tell you a bugaboo that I have lately that I've been working into a, a bit, which is, um, you know, everybody believes in something. Fake. Uh, my mother believes in guardian angels. You know, uh, I you know I, I go to Star Trek conventions and I see people dressed up like you. You want to believe in something that's fake just because it's fun. You know, and that's only a problem when it becomes dangerous to people. And specifically, I'm talking about people who hoard tons of weapons because they think. And I'm not talking about if you own a gun. If you own a gun, fine. I own a gun. You want to own a gun? Fine. Why do I own a gun? Very simple. I live in a big, dangerous city, and I'm afraid the day might come when I have to kill my family. So I understand <laughs> that. But I'm talking about people who hoard thousands of weapons because they think that one day them and four of their friends are going to decide that liberty is at risk and they're going to have to take on the entire US military. And this is a common mental illness in our country that basically goes unchecked. And I understand why. For the same reason that when I go to a movie with Jennifer Lawrence, I bring a condom in case she stops the movie, comes into the audience, and insists that we get it on. <laughs> it's important to believe in something that is never, ever, ever going to happen. In a million eternities, it's important. <laughs> yeah, the same level of believability in both those same scenarios. Same likelihood in both scenarios. Yeah, but yeah. I do like to pretend, like I like to think that they could pull it off. <laughs> and then my favorite part of the scenario, when 12 groups of blood-soaked survivalists meet in the Pennsylvania woods and peacefully choose a leader. <laughs> That's gonna be a great day. You know, you can't game out the scenario two steps, you know? Have you ever heard of a drone strike? End of conversation, you know? That's great. I love that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Such a civil group. I'm sure they'll be able to, you yeah. know, rebuild their no own society. No problem at all. Yeah. <laughs>
That's yeah, terrific. The, 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 it'll just be dudes. The women will be off in the barn bleaching dog teeth to use for money. We're gonna have to go back to the get, you know, back to square one. It'll be fine. The future looks bright. Oh, when you're creating shows, um, is the one of the things that I've always been envious of in the uh, comedy community. Like even when I knew you in San Francisco coming up, and I mean I knew your stand up and knew uh -huh. your your world, and it was a friend with a lot of comics. I was was envious of the camaraderie. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm really getting to when you're exchanging ideas, like even just floating whatever. I'm thinking of it because of what you just replied. I thought right. what what it's so when somebody else comes up with an idea and you go, hey, you should try this, you should try that. Sure, There's yeah, sort yeah. of a that is that what a writer's room is like? Absolutely, yeah, and and you know that's what The Simpsons was like. I would you know I wrote. Uh, um, uh, a, I would write a, I, you know, on The Simpsons, I would go in and say, uh, hey, I have an idea for a script. Um, uh, my, my children are all adopted. My children are from China. So I went in one day and said, hey, let's do where um, The Simpsons have to go to China. We couldn't have them adopt a baby. That was a big thing. But like Selma, Marge's sister, could go to China and adopt a baby. And, and then I'd say, yeah, and Homer would have to pretend that he's her husband because that's how it works. Um, so that became an episode and I pitched the idea and then I sit around with the other writers and they go like, oh, this could happen, oh, this could happen. Oh, that's great, that's great. And you make notes and then you go and you write a draft and then you come in and, and they all pitch in. And you know, there are jokes that are, there are jokes in scripts of mine that are my favorite joke in the show that not only did I not write them, I don't know who wrote them. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow, I'm wow. trying to remember, like, who wrote that joke? That's so funny. And um, will you pitch off the premise alone, like you just pitched off the premise, or will you pitch with the premise and a few jokes that you have along the way? No, yeah, definitely more that. Yeah, okay, you, you okay. have to you come, you have to come loaded, but yeah. they'll 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 drag you over the finish line. Yeah. Um, but or or Bob and I will be in the car driving from gig to gig, and we'll be talking about a bit, and I'm like, oh, throw that in, throw that in, or or I like this. You know, it's. It's it's great to uh, you know to, to batter on ideas with people that work on your level. How many writers were on The Simpsons? About a dozen. Oh, that's not very many at all. It doesn't seem. No, no, and, and split up into two rooms because of the way the production works. It's very Henry Ford. You know, there's animation comes in steps. There's script, record, animatic, final color, color adjustment. You know, there's like four or five steps to an animated episode. And when you joined The Simpsons, it was already sort of an express train. You know? Oh no, yeah, I, I came in in the thirteenth. 12th or 13th season. But I guess the reason I'm, I say that is because you sort of have to jump on and get into the system. Or yeah, it took me nine months to just figure out the algorithms of the jokes. Yeah. 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 And, and lastly on The Simpsons, when you're new, is there a sense of, uh, I just want to kind of, you know, wait to take my shot or oh, do you want to get right no, in? No, 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 it's horrifying. <laughs> it's hard. One, you don't want to be the guy that ruins the Simpsons. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, although immediately the internet will say you are. Um, but uh, no, you, you kind of hang back and, and, and it, was, it was strange for me because I was already a, a very successful comedian. I'd had comedy specials, I'd been on Letterman, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd acted. I was on Seinfeld. You know, I, like I was kind of a known quantity, and I made this calculated decision that I really wanted to move into writing, and uh, and and um, so I, I had a lot of ego to to check uh, before I before I sat down, and uh, and they helped me check it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, but I have to. I have to imagine as well that they go, oh, Dana. We we we. Well, we, I had friends in the staff. Yeah, the, yeah right, sure, right, they, right. Yeah, so. but but it's also you know they. Uh, I was the new guy, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. We, we can only imagine to harmonize in a band like that has to be great. But by the same token, that is the band. Well, there's that, yeah. There's that famous scene in the movie Let It Be where Billy Preston comes into play with the Beatles. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'll just sit over here. That's what it's like when you come in. It's like, yeah. Oh, uh, you mentioned this desire, this decision you made, this desire to get away from sort of one profile into the other as yeah. a writer. So, how did you come to that? Um, I had been, uh, you know, acting, and and I had had several pilots. You know, they develop a show for you, Dana, or you know, whatever they call it. <laughs> Helping out, Dad was George Myers' Universal pilot. Um, was always helping out, Dad, uh, and I felt that. Uh, 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 and then one day I just said, I'm, I'm going to write one for myself and see if I can do it. And I did write it, then it got made, and it didn't go to series. But I found that I really enjoyed the writing process, and it was a different skill set, and it was a different sense of satisfaction. And I was just about to get married. My fiance and I had just bought a house, and I really liked the idea of just being an adult and having a job and going to work and coming home at night and watching TV with my wife. And I and we did that for, for many, many years and, and had children, and it was great. And then over time, I, I, I did find that I felt a part of myself was missing. It, it is like uh, a band. It's like being a musician, and you, you can't uh, walk away from it for forever. Yeah, I'm sure that they're. Uh, plus, they're just. I would imagine it's a different experience being out there on your own as a stand-up and and performance is a, is such a different thing. But it's funny. I was going to ask you in sort of an inappropriate way, I suppose, <laughs> about the money because. Uh-huh. A regular job does pay you a regular so salary. Much more money. <laughs> <laughs> so much more. Money. Well, and I also just gonna, in a way, takes the pressure off having to make money. Was I suppose what I was thinking yeah. also? Yeah, right? I miss that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because now you have to. I'm out there. Sl- Robin Williams used to say, "I'm out there slinging that hash." <laughs> just out there slinging hash. Uh, who, who else? Uh, do you are you a fan of in to, in this sort of comedy environment? Do you do you? Oh, it's so many. Uh, there, it's there, all it's tough yeah, to say. There's so many people. I uh, I'm a big uh, fan of Ali Wong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met Ali when she was uh, an MC in San Francisco. Uh, she she uh, MC'd for me, and I was like, "Don't stay up here in San Francisco. Don't get comfortable. Move to LA. You're too funny." And uh, I was yeah, I call, I call that one. Uh, wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, Jonah. I'm a big fan of Jonah Ray, uh, who's a, a funny comedian. I'm a, a big fan of Tig Notaro. I think is really funny. Uh, 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 a Nancherla is really, really, really funny. Uh, there's, there's so many great comedians uh, out there performing. Is it a better world now for comics than it used to be? It just seems like there are more Netflix specials. There are more uh, environments to get uh, get comedy out. Yeah, YouTube, no, YouTube and the like. Yeah, I mean, you have better access to your fan base. I don't know if. You know, it, 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 one of the problems about everybody having a Netflix special is that they're not special anymore, mm. you know. And, uh, but uh, you definitely, I, I find because of podcasting, uh, you have a more direct line to your fan base. And that you, and, and what I love about that, uh, and, and again, I, I, I go back to is like, a, it's easy to walk around the gatekeepers. You know, it used to be, 
in the late 70s, if Jim McCauley from The Tonight Show didn't think you were funny, you weren't getting on The Tonight Show. And if you didn't get on The Tonight Show, that was a huge impediment to your career. Now that doesn't matter, it really doesn't. Um, uh, you, can, you can get around anything. There yeah, in so today's world, things. in that scenario, Macaulay would see, well, look, he's got all these YouTube followers or he's got, uh, or, or see yeah. your act in many different uh, ways, different, on many different platforms, and you'd find your way in, or you may not even need a Tonight Show today, huh? Uh, you know, I've done all those shows, and right. I've had five or six specials and five or six albums, and uh, working on a new one now. Uh, I was on Seinfeld, I had my own TV series for three years. 95% of the people that come up to me after shows, I love your podcast. I love your podcast. Wow. I love your podcast. So wow. It's, it's, and that, you know, there's nobody stopping you from having a podcast. It's, yeah. Again, it's a, very, it's a very punk mentality. It's, it's, it's very DIY, and I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that. You grew up in New England, right? Yeah, Massachusetts. And, and I, I feel as though there were a bunch of other comics when I say, right? In yeah, in Boston, where I came out of a very, very fertile uh, comedy scene in, in Boston in the 1980s. It was uh, me and Bobcat, Stephen Wright, um, Lenny Clark, uh, a, a lot of well, Paula Poundstone. Uh, I mean, just so many uh, Barry Crimmins. Uh, so many, uh, so many amazing comedians came out of that uh, came out of that scene. And is that scene still rich? Uh, yeah, it's different. They've all, you know, the scenes, it's funny, they change. They, they have an organic life and then they peak. And then, you know, after that scene died out, you know, then it lies fallow for a couple of years, then a new scene comes up mm. with, with the younger people. Uh, and then San, I, I moved to San Francisco. I kind of hit three scenes. I was in the Boston scene, then I moved to San Francisco in time for that scene. And then I moved to LA just in time for the sort of alternative comedy scene. So I had a very, Blessed kind of Forrest Gumpy experience. <laughs> and, no, it's true. It's weird how it did follow you, right? Yeah. In, 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 in San Francisco, the other comics who we know, uh, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider, uh, Jake Johansson, uh, all those, uh, Dana Carvey. Sure. Uh, although he was, you know, Kevin Pollack, all those guys were a little before my time. But and then as you came Robin to- Williams all came out of that scene. Right. I mean, it was a robust comedy scene. And yeah, I mean, yeah, a, sure. really a community that supported comedy. Now, who are you? You were friends with some of those yeah, guys. Who the, are you friends m- with? Everyone you mentioned, I think. Except yeah. Dana, I don't think I was uh, uh-huh. tight with Dana Carvey, but uh, Jake's a dear Jake friend. Jake Johansson, Pollack yeah. is a dear friend. And all. Mill Table. Mill Table, the best, <laughs> the best. Yeah. Mill Table, Frank Prinzi, all the all the greats. No, it's no, those are great guys. I'm not making fun of them. Though. It really, really yeah. was great. And I miss. I, I should call those guys. What was the alt comedy scene that you referred to? Well, in? the alt comedy scene happened in Los Angeles um, in the uh, late 1980s, early 1990s, and what that was is. Um, you know, you go to the improv, and the original concept of the improv was that you go there to try out material. And you could try out material because you never knew if Jim McCauley was going to be there or somebody was. You know, one night it was, uh, it was, uh, was Janine Garofalo uh, went on, and she was trying out some new material. And then you got a call the next day from, like, the Tonight Show or Letterman, like, so-and-so saw you last night, and they thought you were really sloppy. She's like, I was trying out material. That was the point of the improv. And uh, and so she uh, came up with the idea of you know we need a place where we can bomb if we have to, and then I remember going to uh, uh, see Elvis Costello at the Universal Amphitheater, and looking around the audience, going, "Where are these people? Because they're not in comedy clubs anymore, and this is our audience." So people like Janina, myself, and Bob Odenkirk, and David Cross, and uh, Kathy Griffin, uh, we went. To find our audience, and we started doing free shows in 
uh, big and tall books on Beverly Boulevard and, and little theaters and 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 we sort of got away from clubs and went into the audience and the premise of the show was you couldn't do any new material. Uh, you couldn't do material that wasn't new. You had to work it up, it had to be real, it had to be from that day or that week. Uh, and that led to a lot of confessional stuff, a lot of very uh, uh, risky uh, material and it was just, it was, it was more real and it was more honest and it was comedians going in search of of their audience. Again, it was it was kind of a kind of a not to overuse the expression, but it was a it was a a punk kind of thing. Yeah, it's home very homegrown. Yeah, huh? yeah. It was the way bands used to go play at the Mask or someplace. It, uh, as we finish up, Dana, I want to ask you about uh, this idea of your material getting out into the public. In ways that maybe you didn't intend. I'm talking about stuff being recorded. You know, <laughs> yeah. I went to. Uh, I mean, it's you know. Sp- no, Bobcat and I, <laughs> Bobcat and I are doing this two man show, and we thought, oh, we should uh, um, maybe do something with this. And then we found out that well, one of them's already on YouTube. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, <bye. laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a. I mean, it's a challenge. And you know, I went to. Uh, it's hard. It, it, it's hard because material song. You know, they need to gestate. They need to develop. Uh, you know, you need a dark room to develop a photograph. You need, you know, time to to work up material. And and there's a problem that that everything you do has the potential to immediately be broadcast out. Yeah, and I think that uh, you can you ask the audience. Uh, maybe you do ask the audience. Please, no recording, and it doesn't matter. It still yes. happens. Yes. Yes, and yes. We do, and yes, it <laughs> <Yeah>. doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, then you have to go and chase it down and go. Can you take this down, please? Yeah. And I, you know, look, I, I love that people come to the shows, and if you want to record it and listen to it at home, great. Uh, don't just don't post it. Let me uh, let me post it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's that's the way <laughs> yeah. you make a living, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me post it. My yeah, kids exactly, need to yeah. eat, type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, Elvis Costello had a great line uh, in the not too distant future. When everything will be free, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and he's lived it too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, uh, with what's happened to music, uh, Dana, yeah, no I'm kidding. just such a fan of of everything. Oh, just so, a so creative good to see mind. You, yeah, it's great seeing you here. There's a website, DanaGould.com, for all things Dana Gould related. <laughs> oh God. And the uh, Patreon model for the yep, world of the podcast, Patreon.com/slash Dana Gould. You can reach Dana Gould on Twitter and Facebook and. Official Dana Gould on Facebook. MySpace, Friendster. Yeah, it, it's going to make a or comeback, a Dana. Or a postcard. That, Send work. me some mail. Uh, I have a podcast. It's not quite what the Dana Gould podcast is, but it's <laughs> called The Edge with Mark Thompson. You can find it uh, wherever you look for podcasts. Uh, Dana, great seeing you. Great Thank you for coming you in. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Larry Bubbles Brown. Thank Larry Bubbles. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Still in San Francisco. Still in San Francisco. Still yeah. talk to him on the phone. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.